Hello and welcome to the Family Brand Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur. My name's Melissa, and I am a wife, mother, former nurse turned real estate investor. And we believe the greatest gift you can give your child is a last name that stands for something. Your last name is your family's brand. If you are a parent who wants to raise your child to know who they are, love who they are, and believe in who they are, this show is for you. We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work. This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Welcome to this week of the Family Brand Podcast. I have a very special guest, Carly Burnham. Hi, Carly. Thank you for being here. Thanks for calling me special. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And we've been um, trying to do this episode for a good part of this year. And it's finally come together that we're recording today. And I think the timing actually couldn't be better. I was telling Carly before we started recording that um, our topic today is family and dinner time. And we'll get more into that. But at the end of the year, it just gets really hectic and busy, I feel like. So this is good timing, having this conversation right now. So, Right. I agree. Thanks for having me. Okay, Carly. um, Let's just dive in. Like, Tell us a little bit about about yourself and why you're so passionate about family mealtime and dinner time. Anything else you want to fill in right there? Yeah. So it's, it's so strange what things you become passionate about in life and excited about. It's just like, why? I don't know. But, but for some reason in my lifetime through a journey, I've become passionate about family mealtime and dinner time. And when I say dinner time, I also could mean breakfast time too. I'm just going to say mm-hmm. dinner time sometimes, but meal time in general, um, when people are gathering together to eat. And so for some reason, I just feel like this is such an important thing. And just to give a little maybe background about myself. So I grew up in a in a home and a family where my mom cooked, you know, pretty regularly. Like we had pretty simple but good meals throughout the week and we always had usually both of my parents were there, sometimes just mm-hmm. one of them. And most of my siblings, sometimes if we had sports practices or things, they weren't all there, but we usually had a pretty good group and had good conversations and it was um such an anchor for me, but I didn't realize it back then. And, you know, we'd, we'd have the big Sunday dinners too, and sometimes with extended family. And, and I always looked forward to that too. And it wasn't until I left home, got married and, and married my husband that I really appreciated, wow, having a meal cooked for me and having people to talk to at the table was such a blessing and so awesome. And I just started thinking, you know, I want to have that for my family someday. I want to give them that gift and that anchor you know, of, for, for the week. And so fast forward, I, we have, we start having children and we have boy after boy, after boy, after boy, <laughs> and a total <laughs> of five boys, no girls. And I grew up with all sisters. So it's just such a funny, different world that I live in now with all these boys, so much fun, but so much energy and craziness. And so I, I realized how difficult my mom made it look easy, you know, Mm-hmm. It was a little bit easier because, you know, we were a little calmer, but it was, it's just, I really had to commit that I was going to do this for my family. It was not easy. And, it, and especially my husband has a busy job at, with a long commute and 
he wasn't there all the time, you know, to, to help me mm-hmm. cook the meals or help the boys so I could cook and to be there around the dinner table. So I was just, I, I had to really decide it was important. So that's kind of where it started. But then as I went throughout the years and studied, I just decided I wanted to look into it more. If I was going to dedicate so much of my time to cooking a meal and preparing it for my family and sitting with them around a table and telling them to stay seated and do this and this, then why was I going to do it? So I just, I really um, latched on to some great child and developmental psychologists. Um, One of them was Gordon Neufeld. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Mm-mm. That's a really, I'll, I'll have to give you a link for his book in the show notes, but just a really great psychologist. And he talks a lot about the parent child attachment and peer orientation versus like parent orientation, which, mm-hmm. which he describes as being more connected to your parents than your peers and peers and friends are really important, but to have that stronger connection with your parents um, he just describes as just unbeatable. And so as I studied his work and and how mealtime can be a time during the day and the week when you really can connect the most, mm-hmm. it was more and more apparent to me that this was an important thing and something that I really needed to incorporate. So even though it's chaos and we have not mastered anything, my husband said, make sure to tell them we have not mastered dinner time. <laughs> We're not perfectionists at this. <laughs> that it is doable and it has great benefits. <laughs> That's awesome. It is hard when you're talking about something in regards to your own family. It's like, we'll never actually master it. Like you could master yeah. other things. It's like always an evolution and we're just going to try again tomorrow yes. or try yeah. our best. <laughs> exactly. So we haven't mastered it for sure, but we are just trying every day. I love that. And the other thing I think is interesting um, that you talked about is, isn't it funny how certain things are just in our hearts, like put in our hearts, like, yes, that we just can research and study, like, who would thought I'll be studying developmental psychologists and the importance of parental connection, you know what I mean? But it's like, so it's a passion of yours. And I think it's so cool that you're exploring that and, and bringing that like valuable research to, to other people. Well, and I, like you said, I think it was put in my heart. I really feel like that. And I all of a sudden just had this desire to like, like I said, research it. And then I learned how to do like PowerPoint presentations. And I went around presenting about dinner time to people. And I'm just like, how did I get to this spot? But the number one thing I say when I present or I talk to a family or a couple who's just starting out wants to do like a good family dinner time is I say, all right, everybody raise your right hand and promise me that when we are done talking, you will not feel guilty about what you are not doing. Because Mm. I I want to be more of a cheerleader than a you're not doing this and you're not doing that. Um, Dinner time is, is a process. I mean, to learn how to get a good family dinner. And it might only happen once a week or once a month to get a really solid conversation going. But it is so worth the effort and just... I I like to think of it in college levels, like you have the 101 and the 202 and the 303 classes. So Mm -hmm. if you're on like a 101 level right now where maybe you're having dinner time, um, good family meals, like once a week or not at all, well, just go to the 202 level and add in one or two more. And maybe Mm -hmm. you're at the 202 level and eating a couple times a week, but the conversations aren't great. Um, so just move to the next level and and try to find some questions that you want to ask your kids. And I'll give some tips on that. But anyways, don't feel guilty walking away from this conversation that you're not doing enough because 
any step you take in, in the direction to make it a little better is awesome. I love that. It reminds me of a book um, I read maybe last year called Atomic Habits. And the author talks about how just making one like little 1% increases how over time, that's what leads to real change and real, real, I want to use the word success, but yeah, yeah. It's those little tiny things. And I think you're right, not having any, any guilt around it, but just, hey, we're going to try and do just a little teeny bit better yeah. or implement this one, this one thing that's Right. Perfect mindset going in. And and just talking about uh, the why again, I keep thinking about our connections with our kids nowadays and their connections with their friends. You know, we think we are connecting and, and having these great um, relationships with people online or through texting or social media, but it's, it's an empty connection. And mm-hmm. I was researching or listening to, um, a mental health specialist named Dan Oaks. He just came recently and spoke to a big group of us. And he talks about several things that a child needs. And this is like neuropsychologist research. Mm -hmm. And these things are um, just a few of them are eye contact, touch, smile, and a tone of voice that is like soothing or helpful to them. And what better place to help, you know, start these things or give these things to them than around a table. And I, I just really appreciated that now more than ever with the phones and everything. I, you know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't grow up with a phone. So it was easy to sit at a dinner table and talk mm-hmm. But now to, as a parent to say, let's put, put our phones away and really sit down and look at each other and talk. I love it. And I'm excited to get into more uh, specific details. I know you'll have, have those. Yep. Okay. So what, why do you think that it's important that families do this right now? And you've kind of already touched on that. Would you have anything to add? Well, I just want to say, I'll just go through some of the benefits of it Mm -hmm. besides the attachment thing I just talked about and the time of, well, the time of life we live in with all the media and distractions. So these are some of the benefits that I've researched. And maybe if I'll, I'll just go through a few of them. And if you want to stop me for any of them, just do that. We can explore them further. But I've read several books. Believe it or not, there are books on the power of family (laughs) mealtimes. And I happen to find most of them, I think. But what what one of them is, I'll just start with the first one, um, better nutrition. And this is passion for me. I got my degree in exercise and wellness from ASU and did a lot of nutrition classes and studied that. And it was just fun to see the connection between when you cook your meals at home versus going out. And I have nothing bad to say about going to a restaurant. I love a good restaurant. I love, you know, fast food. Totally. Is so fun. It's easy. But if, you know, we know restaurants and fast food places, we don't know exactly what's going into the meal. And they put in a lot of things to make it delicious, a lot of fat, a lot of calorie content. And so it's just one of those things that you have to just be careful and find a good balance. And at home, if you're the one cooking the meal, you control the fat content a little better. You can choose like a leaner meat or a lower fat sour cream or whatever it is. Um, You can make the plate more colorful by adding vegetables. You know, not a lot of restaurants do a pretty good job, but not a lot of fast food places offer like full, you know, side of Mm -hmm. whatever. And my, my husband and I like to say, if you cut it up, they will eat it. And just like from the movie <laughs> Dreams, if you build it, they will come. If you cut it up, they will eat it. And I've found that to be true. If we take our fruits and vegetables and cut them up for our kids, 
it, you can do it however simply you want or however fun, put it in the middle of the table, they will eat more fruits and vegetables. And I don't know if you found that to be true, but so I, that's your trick. You throw it in the middle and yes. let them eat what they may. Yes. And I just see that they are getting more, uh, more color in their diet. I'm, I'm watching it happen. Mm-hmm. There was a research study done by Harvard and it was published in like archives of family medicine. And they found that families who reported eating together all nearly uh, three to five times a week took in more healthy nutrients like calcium, fiber, iron, vitamins, B6 and B12, C and E. So it's in the research too. And then another study by university of Minnesota found that children whose families ate meals together more often consume more fruits and vegetables, kind of just like we were talking and less snack foods. And so that's just one benefit right there. Just more nutrition. Love it. Another one is learning manners. And I love this one because I, when, like I said, I have all these boys and the Mm -hmm. oldest one right now is 14. I think you and I have similar aged children, Melissa, but our oldest is 14 and my youngest is three this week. And so when my when they were all really little, I wanted to introduce them to the movie Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, the musical. And Classic. I love that one, right? <laughs> yes. They needed to see this because this is like, you know, my life. Seven boys. Not well, I have five, but it's all these boys. <laughs> and, and so I I had them watch this just clips of the movie because they couldn't sit still long enough for the whole thing. But there's a scene, if you haven't seen it, a woman named Millie, who's a feisty and hardworking woman, works in town and is awesome. But this uh, oldest brother of seven named Adam comes in and decides he's going to marry her. And he takes her away to his country home. And she has already cooked for lots of people in her life and done lots of things. And so she's excited to just cook for one man and have one man to to take care of. And she comes and he kind of hints that she's going to be taking care of and cooking for all these brothers of his as well. So she rolls up her sleeves and cooks this wonderful first meal. And she rings the bell and calls him to dinner and they jump on the food. She says they fall on the food, quit falling on the food and they fight and they don't have any manners at all. And she was just appalled. And so my little boys are watching this and one of them turns to me and says, mom, this is just like us. And I was like, oh no, we have got to change something here. If, we, <laughs> if they That's think so this funny. is what our family is. And so I, that was another turning point. I thought, okay, we're going to learn some manners around the dinner table. And so at the dinner table, you can teach things like, it's, it sounds funny, but sitting still in one place for 10 or 15 minutes, who would have thought that that would be you know, a good skill to learn, but wow, is it important? My kids still like my little five, almost six-year-old takes a bite, jumps up, runs, does a cartwheel, then runs back. And we're just trying to teach him how to sit for 10 or 15 minutes. (laughs) Yes. And eat and not move and talk and to just um, talk to each other and look at each other in the eye and then say, please, and thank you. And to thank the cook, you know, it makes them realize that the meal just didn't appear out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mom or dad worked hard to put this on the table. And so just little things like that to learn those, those little lessons of manners at the table. I lo- I- Ivy was describing seven brides or seven brothers to a friend just this past week. And it was so funny to listen to her describe the whole scene. And I love that. Um, it's such a good visual. Like you're saying you yeah. left, you had for your boys um, and you're right. Um, what a great, 
a great opportunity because when else are you going to have that conversation about about yeah. manners and mealtime? Right. So that's a good time to learn the manners. And then I love this one too. Another benefit is language skills, which I had never thought of until I read this book and some of the research, but, and I'm going to read there. There's just in this book called the surprising power of family meals. Uh, they do, they, they quote a research study where this, these Harvard grads kind of got a team together. They call it the ed school team. And they wanted to just see language development through these young children through the years. And so I don't have the whole details. I can't say I'm all of the whole study because it was pretty in-depth, but they looked at lots of different aspects of the family's life and had the family record different things like playtime or reading aloud to the child. And that, as kind of a side note, they said, oh, and record your dinner times as well, your meal times." Mm. And so they turned in these recordings and what they found was so interesting. They said, in the first two years of the study, the researchers recorded 2,000 rare words and more than a thousand of them were heard at the dinner table. So wow. these rare words are just kind of popping up um, at the dinner table without you even sometimes thinking about it. And and so when when they're oh, and so he gives an example of um, like a little boy named Casey and his dad talking at the table. And this is a real example that they heard in a recording. So Casey comes home from school and he's just little, probably a kindergartner. And he says, Dad, the firefighters came to school today and they had the tanks on their backs. And the dad said, you know, that's oxygen. You know what that is? And he says, yeah. Casey said, you put that on and you get air from it. And the father said, yes, that's air, the air, because when you go in the fires, you're in a fiery house and smoke gets in and you cough and you can't breathe and you use that oxygen to get some of the fresh air in you. And so when Casey hears that word oxygen, maybe he doesn't know it yet. But then the father reminds him of this toy scuba diver that he has in his bathtub and says, this is oxygen on his back so he can breathe in the water. And so he's seeing the context with it. Mm. And it's just like a little interchange, but introducing a word right there. And it helps if you have more than one adult at the table. It's just a richer conversation, but you can still, you know, just by yourself, have a great conversation uh, with your kids and introduce new words. But dinner guests are always awesome, you know, to enrich that. That's cool. I love that one. Yeah. So the language skills, and then I'll just keep going through some benefits if you want. Yeah. No, keep, keep going. I, this is really <laughs> fascinating. Like you are so well researched. I'm like just soaking all of this in. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. You bet. This kind of goes with the nutrition, but the portion control and balance, the kids watch as you serve yourself. They watch the parents and learn how much is a serving size. And maybe you allow them at first to load their plate up. And they load it up and then they realize, they start eating and realize, oh, you, you, can, you can say to them, I think you got a little more than your tummy was able to handle. Maybe next time just get a smaller portion. So they're learning that as they watch you and their siblings get certain sizes of, of a dish. And then we, we like to tell our kids like when they're, when they're eating, I, I say, now, if you're feeling really full, you can stop. You don't have to finish everything on your plate. You know, that used to be a thing is finish yeah. everything on your plate. And I like to say, you know, just stop and rest a minute, see, drink some water, see if you're really full and you don't have to finish all that. We can save it for later when you're hungry again. And so that's kind of just a little thing they can learn there. I love that checking in with their body and like, yeah. how are you feeling? Are you full? Yeah, that's yeah. Really important. 
and drinking the water with it, you know, mm-hmm. to make sure they really aren't just filling up on fillers. I like over, I like the thought of overcoming pickiness in kids. I think that's a, there's a benefit there and it's an obstacle uh, because we still have totally picky kids. So if anybody thinks we've conquered that, we have not. And, but what I do is I try to introduce something new each week, but to the kid who is super picky and maybe just doesn't even want to try that, I like to have them choose something to eat during the week. So they're in control of that meal. Mm-hmm. It's probably usually really basic with no chunks in it because they just are <laughs> funny about chunks and colors. And But if if they can choose one meal, they can feel like they have a little bit of control and they're going to eat it. And hopefully that introduces them uh, to trying a little bit more. And, and like I said before, to have maybe that platter on the table that has different fruits and vegetables cut up, something that's fun. I'm sure you've had this happen in Hawaii with lots of fun fruit and different things that are, you know, just grow there so easily. We, I found a dragon fruit that was on sale at Sprouts and I had never tried dragon fruit, which is like crazy, but it looked so fun. And I thought this would be a fun thing to try at dinner time. So I just bought it and took it home and we cut it as a family around the table and, you know, looked inside. And there was another one that was like a, seemed like a branch off of, of the dragon fruit. And it had like these little jelly things in it. And so it was just such a fun thing for my kids to just try something new and different, make it exciting. I love that. That's really, yeah. Doing it like almost like an experiment that you're doing together Mm -hmm. and exploring and letting them have the picky one, have a say. So he does feel like some sense of, of control over it, but it's still encouraging him to explore outside of maybe where he's comfortable. Yes. And if, what I found too, is if you have a really picky one, sometimes it's because they're not hungry enough. And I know when my kids get home from school, they eat a ton of stuff because they're starving. And then at dinner time, they're not as willing to eat a full meal because they're so full. And so we've really tried to work on not snacking so much after school and being hungry for the meal. And then they're more willing to try a lot more things and to watch the bread too. One of my friends does this. She says, you can have your bread portion, like whether it's like a roll or bread and butter after you finish like your vegetables and your main, you know, dish part of it, which I thought was a good idea. Cause you know, I love a good roll and I'll eat that first. And I'm kind of full then to eat the other things or try something new. Yeah. So trying, yeah. Rearranging maybe the order and mm-hmm. of it all. Yeah. 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 And then just the last thing about the benefit is that just the research I found in like, I found from a place named Casa that's at Columbia University. It's just the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse. And Mm -hmm. they say that families who eat about five times a week are 30, um, the kids are 32% likely or never to have tried cigarettes, 45% likely or never to have tried alcohol, 24% 24% likely or never to have smoked pot. So just an interesting like study. That, an interesting correlation. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure there's so many other, you know, factors going into, okay, what does it take to have a family meal together? But just that yeah. research alone is, it's very compelling. Yes. And that's what I needed. I was like, I just need something to motivate me. <laughs> and so that's, I think why I did all this research. I love it. And yeah, I don't know. I didn't even know like some, I hadn't even considered some of these things. So really, really great. So what would you say to a family that's maybe feeling overwhelmed by this? Like, it just feels like craziness. Like what are their, I don't know. Yeah. What would be your advice or overcoming any type of obstacles that families might be facing? Yes. And that's what I love to help 
people with the most is, as I'll have people say, we just cannot sit down together. We have totally different schedules. We have different diets. We cannot sit down and do this together. And so some of the obstacles, um, I'll just give a few tips to help overcome them. Um, the first one, like we said, maybe the family is not home at the same time in the evening uh, with sports and music and work. It is just crazy. And so the the tips that I have would just be to look ahead in the week. It's planning is everything. And to look ahead in the week and see if there's just even one or two times a week when everybody is there at a certain time. And to really just double down on that day or those couple days and say, we're going to do it these days. Another idea is to do the breakfasts instead of the dinners. If you know you're going to be crazy at night, wake up with your kids, just gather them real quick for their toast or whatever they're having and just talk for a second. Say, what's ahead for you this day? Um, what's it going to be like? Or And then tell them about your day, what what you have ahead. If, if you're getting home, like maybe you just have a whole bunch of kids, you're running everywhere and you know just a few are going to be gone. Just have dinner with those who are there. And you might catch some one night and some another night, but at least you're doing it with a couple of them. And I think that's important to just kind of stay consistent and and do it when you can. You might do a little earlier in the evening. You might have it later when everybody's home, whatever works for your family. What I found is I like to make the meals when it's easiest for me. And so like during my child's nap, my baby's nap, I will make the meal and it might be you know cold when we have it, but I can warm it up and mm-hmm. it's not front of the oven, but it's still something and also, of course, crock pots and instant pots are amazing. I mean, that solves a lot of things. <laughs> Life changing. So, I'm like, what yes. did I do before my instant pot? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> because I always forget to take my meat out of the freezer, but the instant pot solved that. <laughs> yes. And so there's there's those, the scheduling, it just takes planning. But um, another obstacle is like different diets or food allergies with kids. And we happen to have some of those. I think, Melissa, you talked about one of your podcasts um, you guys having maybe some dairy sensitivities or Mm -hmm. kids had some of those. And we have that in our family too. And especially with dairy. And so, you know, you think, Oh, am I going to have to make a separate meal for every kid or myself? And no, what you can do is just, and what I found it really is an easy solution is to make like what I call a base meal. And that is where, like, for example, I have um, a really simple, recipe for like a potato soup. And I just call it potato soup because I don't have the cheese in it. And at the base of it, I just have, it's literally like potatoes, water, chicken broth, and then some seasonings. And it actually thickens pretty well, even just with those things. And my non-dairy kids can add things to it, like bacon or whatever they want. And my dairy kids who can eat dairy add in sour cream or a little bit of cheese on top or whatever they want. So it's kind of like the base meal. And then they add what they Mm -hmm. can eat on it. And then another example is like a, you just take a roast and put it in the crock pot with salsa and salt. And it's very basic and it's easy to get in there. And then the kids, you have like a taco night and they can put whatever uh, um, goes with their food allergy or sensitivity or does not go with it. And it just makes it so it's, it's not stressful and the kids kind of have a little more choice and don't feel like, Oh, he's eating something really, really good. And I'm just eating this or mom's yeah, eating this. Thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just to have some base meals. And if anybody needs more of those, I, I've started a website and I, I will add more of those base meals to my website as, as I go, but 
Yeah, yes. that sounds super valuable. So we'll be sure and put that um, in the short show notes. Yeah. And then I would just say, most of all, to commit to doing it, um, like we talked about before, it's it's a special time of day. I like to say to cross a threshold. I read that in one of the books that I, that I found for, about dinner time. They say cross cross a threshold, which means make it a different part of the day. So either start with a prayer or hold hands and say, okay, we're yeah, we're gonna pray for this food, or have say we're not gonna start eating till everybody sits, mm-hmm. or just make it a time set apart from your crazy, you know, other parts of your day. Make sure everyone is is gathered at a spot. So that it's not just walking back and forth, eating off a plate while you're running back and forth or watching TV or just cross a threshold is how I like to say it. And and I really believe that our bodies were designed to be hungry and eat so that we could come together and gather at certain intervals through the day. I really feel like our bodies were designed for that. And just to realize that and that it's an important thing for us to gather um, has just been really important for me. What would you recommend for, you know, as you said, our, our oldest is 14 and as they get older and um, have phones, what, what have you seen work for your family or in other families as far as the, uh, the phone use? Is it like, okay, we're going to put our phones on the table or yeah, just maybe right. talk more to them about that. Yeah. I have a friend who passes around a basket and says, all right, phones in the basket. And they go off to the side for the whole dinner time. And I just think that's the best way to go is that there are no distractions during dinner that you are really learning how to live without a phone for 15 minutes or whatever it is. And even the parents, I mean, that's hard for me because I like to stick it under my legs sometimes. And then I can mm-hmm. feel if it buzzes, you know, but no, I just need to completely put it off to the side so that you're really connecting with each other and having a conversation. And you found that as the parents do that, Um, And it just becomes a habit, a routine that everyone can be bought in and understand like, okay, this is this time where we put, we put our phones away and we are together. Right. And hopefully it's a draw. Like food is usually a draw for people. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you, you can sneak in some really yummy meals here and there. I know it's like we talked about, it's, we don't want to put pressure on people to like, I have to make this amazing super meal. No, just, you know, make something that they like so that they're drawn to it and want to be there at the table and put away their phone for a minute. So it's not a big fight. You're, I think you're so right. Food is a gathering. Like people want to gather around food. Mm-hmm. Yes, one hundred percent. Is there any ways that you have found, like any at dinner time? Are there any specific routines, like questions that you ask every day, or little games that you play, or anything you do consistently to make it more meaningful or more fun? Yes, uh, I always try to do. A couple of my friends introduced me to a little. I guess you call it a game, but it's just called sweet, sour, and service. Have you ever heard of that? And you just go around and say something good that happened to you in the day, something that's the sweet, something not so good that happened. That's the sour. And sometimes my kids will skip that one. If if they really don't want to like share, you know, they're just getting into it. It's pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) And, and then maybe something you did for someone else just to get them started talking. Mm -hmm. Uh, That doesn't, you know, like I said, it doesn't always work. Sometimes they give very short answers, but it starts the conversation going and then we we found these cute little at Chick Fil A one time they gave away these little uh, in their kids meals these little boxes that had like questions for dinner time in them. Oh, cool! I thought, like, 
great little surprise. And I bet the kids were like, well, what is this? But I loved it. Lame. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I thought it was awesome. So totally. I so pull out questions like that and, and ask just different random questions. You can be more prepared. This is like the 202 or 303 level, but you just did a podcast recently about family heritage and Dia de los Muertos and where you come from. And, you know, you can have a little family story ready to share, maybe just about one of your, even just close family members that's still alive, you know, anything, Mm -hmm. a little family story to share. So they know who they are and where they come from, what their background is. That's just a really good thing to share at dinner. Yeah, that is a great time to incorporate that. Like who, yeah, who are we as a family? Where do we come from? I love that idea. Yeah. Something that we've found to really start a conversation is when my husband is joins us for dinner, he will start talking about just what he's heard um, through the news lately, which is, I think, awesome. It's a safe place to talk about news and politics and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. At the table, you learn how to interact and ask questions that are polite without being too overbearing. And you can talk freely at the table without getting, you know, into a huge fight. And we have, we, I didn't know this was going to be such a great benefit, but I just wanted to get like a plastic, what are those, like a plexiglass covering for my wood table so it wouldn't get scratched. But it ended up being so fun because we stuck maps underneath it and quotes oh, cool. setting. So we could be looking at that while they're eating. And we have had the best conversations about geography. And when we mention something about the world, my husband will say, look, it's right there in in this part of the world that we're talking about. And just to have that under the table has been really fun, fun way to get the conversation going. Yes, I could imagine. And we don't have this here in Hawaii, but in Arizona, we had a big map of the United States with this old cool pull down like school map. And I was always surprised like how often we'd be talking and it'd be like, oh yeah, like, let's go look at the map. It's like right here. And yeah, Uh making those like little connections, like you said, with the oxygen, it's like having little connections and conversations that they can go back to and how like, I don't think we underestimate how much they're learning when it's just that repetition. Yes. And that's what I've seen is just to, it's in context, you know, they're looking at the map right when we're talking about it and they really remember from that. Yeah, just just fun things, making it fun, making it so it's not a drag. And the food alone can do that. You know, like I said, the food alone sometimes is the pull and the fun, but to ask meaningful questions, and it doesn't have to be super in depth every night. But in a book, I just recently read it just talked about, it's almost like taking a a, te- a mini temperature every day of your kids emotional well being, you're just mm-hmm. kind of seeing where they're at. Each day, just through little you know, do they look like they're down today? Do they seem like they're up? How many days have they been down versus up? It's just a way to take their temperature, their their emotional temperature, each each little time you're with them. And it doesn't have to be an in-depth, huge conversation. It's just like little snippets. I found that. So you called it the questions that you asked, sweet, sour, service. We do something similar. We call it best, worst, weirdest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sometimes we incorporate like a couple other things like um, so what's something you failed at today or what's something that you're um, grateful for today. But I have found that sometimes between, you know, in those little conversations, best part of your day, worst part of your day, you find like, oh, I think my child actually had a really bad 
day, but mm-hmm. not having this conversation or not having this um, touch point here, I guess at dinner time and this question, I might've gone through that. I never, I never realized that they may have had this challenge at school or, yes. you know, this challenge on the play- playground or whatever. So I think that's right. so true. Right. And as they get older, I think, you know, a lot of kids don't want to talk. They just don't, especially teenagers. Mm-hmm. And so just to get even a few words out of them each night or a couple nights a week, you are, you're just touching base just a little bit to see where they're at. And, and so don't feel scared or like you're not doing the right thing. If they're not opening up a ton at dinner time. I think the more you do it, the more they will feel comfortable to open up and maybe share just a couple things that will help you. Okay. I can maybe see what's going on in his life right now and her life. Yeah. I think that that's a good, a good point that it's probably a learned, a learned skill to some degree. Mm-hmm. Like the first day mm-hmm. you ask, it's not going to be this overflowing, <laughs> like gushy, let me tell you everything. Yeah, <laughs> and but. some kids might like, I have a couple <laughs> that love to do that, but some are just nope. <laughs> and that's okay. And I think that's the important thing about all of it is it's all okay. Whether it's, um, you know, I love that you, what you said earlier about not, um, you know, even though we might have different dietary needs in the family, even though some of us might not be home some nights, it's like, no, we're still going to do this. We're still going to give it our best ever and just keep, keep trying, putting our best, our best foot forward. Yes. And, and that's what my goal is. I'm just like, I, I just want to keep trying, even if it looks like pretty scary <laughs> sometimes, I'm just going to keep trying. And, you know, in, in America, we kind of do it differently and not as good. I feel like as, as a lot of the world, like France and Italy and Spain, they really focus in on their mealtimes together. And in Italy, there's something called La Vita Vera and Mm -hmm. that's the true life. And they kind of associate dinner with that or mealtimes, I guess I should say with that. They love gathering. They love eating a good, healthy meal together. And it is just like a beautiful time for them where it doesn't feel like a chore or like they're trying to coordinate so many things. It, they really mm-hmm. just love it. And that's where I want America to come to more yeah. is where we love it. And it's a joy for us. And if, even if that means just making simple meals or I'm not even opposed to those boxed, you know, get at your door meals, because it, as long as you're gathering and eating something together, I think it's really important. Absolutely. Okay, I'm reminded about something I saw you post on Facebook a while back. It was about a really cool, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a Phoenix Suns themed <laughs> like dinner that looked amazing. We tell me a little <laughs> bit more about that. I'm so glad you brought that up because I completely forgot about uh, themed dinners, but that is such a fun thing for kids, even teenagers. They like it. They won't admit it, but they like it. And we love the Phoenix Suns. And I don't know if, is your heart still in Phoenix, Melissa? Tell me it is. <laughs> Do you yeah, like well, the Phoenix Suns? Hawaii doesn't have any like professional sports teams. So so yeah, we're like Arizona teams all the way. (laughs) Oh, good. Because we are big Phoenix Suns fans. So when the Suns were doing really well in the playoffs this past summer, we would do like during one of their games, we would, um, we had all the orange and purple foods we could think of. And I tried to make it, there's a lot of orange and purple foods that are not super healthy. And so I tried to add (laughs) in some, like some fruit where there were and vegetables (laughs) for the orange and purple, but it was just a themed dinner around those colors. And my kids loved it. They thought it was so fun. And then like the coming up this, um, this Friday is my little two year old's birthday. He's going to be three. And he loves the book hungry caterpillar. 
So we're going to do like a themed dinner with the hungry caterpillar foods because he memorized all the things caterpillar eats and just little fun things like that. I know a mom in my neighborhood who's a friend, she does a themed dinner with her. She has all sons like I do. And she wanted to teach them manners as well. And so she does like a fancy night where she Mm. serves a really good meal and they learn how to like use the correct utensils. And and she has a fancy glass room for a yummy drink or just, you know, how to just be fancy. And I think that's so cool. It's kind of a lost art, but just to do fun little things. And that's again, like a 202, 303 level when you want to, I mean, we're not talking often. It's like every couple months, if you want to throw something in there like that, but they are so fun and they can be really simple. Like just finding those colored foods, you know, different color of foods. And, and, or if you have a, if you are looking at a map on a table and you do a, a meal around one of the countries and the kids help with that and decide what country they want to do. And so, yes, thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> I just thought it was such a, a beautiful, um, meal. And I was like, what a, fun, what a fun idea. And I love what you're saying about, about making it fun and about how other countries like Italy, for example, how it's just a little bit of a, a mind shift from, you know, this checklist, like, oh, we got to, we got to do the dinner, the dinner thing to what if, yeah, what if we approached it a little differently, like more yeah. fun and more of like a reprieve from the day, yeah. like this time we get to spend together. Yes. Like you said, a reprieve. And so whatever it takes to make it feel that way, I guess would be something I would, I would say is, is just to find what works for you to make it an enjoyable time because it will someday pay off. Like the, the family dinners that I have with my family, my extended family, like on Sundays are so fun to have great conversations with older adults now, because we've all grown up and I just, I try to envision in my mind's eye of someday being able to have these conversations with my kids and that they feel comfortable enough to stay at a dinner table longer than 10 minutes instead of being so excited to run off, but to stay and visit and to live that La Vita Vera and just to, to want to be there. And that is just so exciting to me to think about having that. I, yeah, that is really beautiful. And family so unique in that way. Like where else in your life do you put in 10, 15, 20 years of work before you're yeah. starting to see like some of those, of those things like you're talking about at, yes. the, at the end, it's like such a long term game and it's hard in the middle sometimes to get lost in like, this feels really hard. Yes. And not worth it. Right. But mm-hmm. it is. That's why I love what you guys are doing with the family brand. It's building families and you'll see the results someday. (laughs) (laughs) Someday. (laughs) Yes. Okay, Carly, is there anything else you would want to add or that you think our listeners should, should know? Oh, just keep going. Just uh, like I said, move to the next level. If you're only doing a couple times a week or one or none, just add in a little bit more, one time more. Don't get discouraged. Keep trying. Your kids will appreciate the consistency. And that parent-child connection is so important. There, There's just tons of research to back that up. It is worth the work, it is worth the effort. And, and it can be done with one parent. It, it really can. Two is awesome and ideal. And even more family members gather at the table is ideal. But do with what you have and it will grow from there. I love it. Thank you. And tell us also where we're going to link to all the places that, that we can find you. Maybe just tell us really quickly where people can connect with you. 
Sure. In my in my side life, <laughs> I I am an author of children's books. So I have a Instagram awesome. called <laughs> called at Carly Burnham Books and. Carly is with a K. And so Melissa will link that, but it's at Carly Burnham books on Instagram. And then my email, and I'd love to hear from anybody who needs help with dinnertime struggles or obstacles, or if things are going well for you, I'd love to hear from you on email. And that's just uh, Carly at Carly's corner.com. And the reason it's at Carly's corner is because that's my website. It's Carly's corner.com. And I just launched it. And so it just only has a few articles on it so far, but I'm building it. And it kind of is a conglomeration of my book stuff and dinnertime stuff and nutrition, all my passions. All your lives coming (laughs) together on this website. I need one page where I have all my lives coming together. And so that's uh, carlyscorner.com. But I'd love to hear from anybody through email. And you said you have some of your um, recipes there too? On the website, I would, I'm going to upload some of the base recipes or base meals as I like to call them. So that if you have kids with food allergies, it's super helpful to just have those to go to. Yeah. That's invaluable. Okay. Um, I'll put all of that in the show notes. We'll have a lot of things in the show notes because I know you have some books that you sent over that you would recommend to people and we'll put all that, all that in there. Yes. Thank you, Carly, so much for spending your time here today. Like you're such a wealth of knowledge and resource for for families around um, this conversation of dinner time. I'm so glad you have this passion about it. <laughs> such a blessing to us. Yeah, kind of random, but I am so glad to help whoever I can with just this one particular thing. So thanks for all you guys are doing, Melissa, with all your work with families. We'll see you guys next week. Hey there, thanks for listening to today's episode. To show our appreciation, we want to offer you a free gift. We have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes. And while you're there at familybrand.com, be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together. Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. We will see you in the next episode.